We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. All right, we are recording. Yes, we are. There you go. And we actually, we just jumped into the recording because we started talking about something, and I thought other people might want to hear this. Um, so, Kim, why don't you say what? Tell everybody what you just told me about what you're trying to do right now. Oh well, so I'm I've got my calendar open in front of me to try and start planning for next week. I usually do this on Sunday, but um, after a full day of teaching on Saturday via Zoom, which makes my brain melt. Um, Sunday, I'm not usually feeling that creative, so you kind of take it when you can. Um, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, because I'm taking a course uh, right now, a business course um, in you know going virtual. And there's so much, I haven't even really jumped into it. I've only just taken like, I took uh, one sort of section from that course like previously and there's stuff I need to do to sort of move forward and I really want to do that stuff but I've got to try and squeeze it all in to all this other stuff that I have to do that I don't want to do but still has to be done and I know as selfish as it sounds it's like family stuff like looking after kids and looking after my uncle and looking after my mother and you know being there for phone doctor appointments and things like that. It's like, like, I know it's important and all of this stuff, but now in order to do the things that I want to do for the business, now I have to start dipping into the time where it would be, you know, just me time (laughs) sitting on my couch, you know, playing Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley. Like, so, and then at the end of the day, like on Wednesday, I did so much that day, crammed so much in that I was supposed to teach Wednesday night, but I had a complete migraine because I just did so much and Mm -hmm. I had to cancel that class. So now I don't have an off day in between my sessions like I usually do, whatever. Doulas of the sandwich generation. Yep. That's what we are. Yeah. So as you were talking there, I was actually thinking, you know, what do people do who have to have a nine to five? But then honestly, I remember the nine to five stuff Mm -hmm. and the little bit of a blessing that it offered was that it was non-negotiable. Yes. You know, whereas we're the harder part here is the emotional energy that we use to decide where those things go. When you have a nine to five where you have an expectation where your job relies on you being available for that job for nine to five, you actually have less hours to work with outside of that. So it actually gives you more structure as to when you can do your shit. And other people aren't trying to interfere in that nine to five. They're not saying, hey, can you come at three? No. But because we're doulas, we're kind of expected that we will take that emotional energy and use it to be accommodating. So, so my, my, I usually do appointments with clients and things like that in the evening, right? 
right? So right. I teach in the evening, I teach on Saturdays, and most times if there's going to be interviews or prenatals and things like that, they're usually at night because that's when people are available because they are the ones that have the nine to fives, right? Okay. Or nine to sixes, nine to sevens, eight to fours. Um, but so I, I said to my uncle this week, I said, because uh, I go, I do shopping for him on Tuesday and then I bring it to him on Wednesday mornings. And I said, okay, well, I've got to get going because I've got a meeting this afternoon um, with a client. I was doing um, some free birth planning sessions for people in my classes. And he goes, he always asks me when I'm working. So that if something happens, if he has a medical issue, if he can call me, like he's trying to, it almost feels like he's trying to plan his medical emergencies around my schedule. <laughs> so I said, well, I said, yeah, I've got to go because I've got a meeting this afternoon. And he goes, but you only work at night. And I go, well, no, I usually teach at night, but if a client wants to have a meeting during the day, like I'm right there because, you know, I would like to have my evenings free every now and then. And the look of shock and horror on his face, like, but now what? It's like, okay, you, you know, you can call my mom. Like if you call me and I don't answer, you can call my mother or Here's a crazy thought. You know that button that you have hanging around your neck that calls the paramedics <laughs> and the hospital, you can push that one too. And then they call us. They call my mother. They call your next door neighbor who's right next door. <laughs> but the look of shock and horror on his face that I would do something in the afternoon where he couldn't get me was like, I just felt at that point, oh God, like just more, like, yes. more on your plate. yeah, I, I have to do this stuff to get paid, to get clients, to pay my bills, to do this stuff. Like, it's just, I think this whole pandemic is like, because he doesn't have any of his friends that are, that are coming to see him. They won't come like he's he's got like a handyman who's an older man um, that will come and do stuff for him, but he won't come. His his one friend who used to do his garden, who used to, to take care of his garden and stuff. He's not coming anymore. And do you know why he's not coming? He's not coming. Me, <laughs> he's not coming because the last time he was in hospital, which was in January, I didn't call him. I didn't go down the list of people to call when he goes into the hospital because quite frankly, I got enough shit on my plate, okay? If you guys want to set up a text message grouping, let's do that. Oh, you can't because you're old? Okay, well then too bad. Like on top of worrying about him and trying to be on the phone or be available for his doctors to call me because God knows when that's going to be because I can't be in the hospital. Now I'm supposed to sit down and, you know, twice a day update people I've never even met. Sorry. I, no, 
I've got kids to look after. I've got a business to run. I'm teaching. I've got other things to like, fuck off. So now, because I didn't do that, he's not talking to my uncle. He's being a petty little bitch and not talking to my uncle. That makes absolutely no sense. It makes zero sense whatsoever. So now my uncle has to go hire somebody to deal with his garden. Men, old men are, are petty motherfuckers. Old men are like. bitches. <laughs> so that, that's been my week. That's been your week. Well, can I share some news about my week? Okay. And I wanted to tell you and Suzanne at the same time. Guess what's happened in the past 24 hours? You're moving? I'm moving. You're I'm coming. I'm coming back. I'm not going to Florida. I'm not going to Florida. Well, at <laughs> least there's that. Yeah, Roger's dreams of going to Florida or to BC and it rained it in. Roger but, can kiss my ass if he thinks he's <laughs> taking you out of this province. We made the executive decision to back to move back to the east side. And uh, yeah. Why? You know what? We have never we moved here to this nice house and put a pool in and did all of these things. And this coming August, it will be three years and it is just not home. It is not, it is playing house. It is living in someone else's house. It is, it's not home. It's not comfortable. And now, uh, so Roger's brother is moving to Florida, as you know. Yeah. And so he currently lives in a very large house in Ajax with uh, his parents and his parents are getting older. And uh, so much like you were just discussing now, we're, we're going to move back over that side so we can be closer to family. While Cause Peter's literally, he's not leaving to live part-time in the States. He's going to Florida to move. That's where his job is. So um, yeah, we're moving back to that side. Cause like, trying to manage that from Mississauga to Ajax yeah. Nothing. Well, it, it it always blew my mind how often you were in the East End. Like you would just get in the car and drive to the East End to take your kids to their friends and or to go pick something up. And it's like, that's like fucking far. Like that's not, Lots an, of rest. not an easy yeah. drive. And, it, you know, so much I get calls because everything is word of mouth, right? So much is word of, ma- word of mouth, in, especially in that community. So I get calls for breastfeeding support and they don't want other people. They want someone who their friend has seen, Yeah, you know, and so off I go. Or, yeah, my kids trying to, you know, maintain their friendships and stuff and uh, all of those things. It, and it's not just your community it's not just where you live these my kid was literally born in that house right her only her only experience was living in that house um up through um being a young teen so it was just all of these things kind of culminated actually we had a bit of a i don't want to say a blow up but we got we were messing around talking with his family a little bit ago out when we were out in ajax having a backyard visit and Roger was a little irate, I got to tell you. He was just, it was itching him that that we were joking around because his family was also saying, come back, come back. I didn't think he had, I didn't think he had that mode. (laughs) He, it was because he was, he was feeling a little attacked because we moved out here for him, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we moved out here for us so we could see him. Yeah. Um, 
but he doesn't have to work in the office anymore. He, even after things lift, his job will not require that he be at the head office any longer. Oh, um, relief. Yes. So um, we got in the car and he's like, guys, I don't understand. We have a nice home. We have a pool. We, your family is here anytime you want to see them. And they said, no, they're not. We have to ask you to go see our family. We've always mm-hmm. been able to just get off the bus and go to Tate's house mm-hmm. and check on her or cook with her. Um, and I said to Roger, I said, you know, not to attack you or anything, but you moved like 11, 12 times when you were a kid. You didn't settle in one place till you were in your teens. And so for you, home was where your family was. And that was right. just how it is. But for me, who grew up in the same place until I was 19 years old, like I moved when I was little, little until I was like five. Um, but from five to 18, I lived in the same place. Mm-hmm. So my friends, my family, my community, my schools, my access to resources that I knew about in the community, all in the same place. I said, we literally did exactly what you wanted to do. We put down roots. We gave the kids a place that was home for them. Mm-hmm. And we didn't change that. And so we the reason they're like this is because we did exactly what you wanted to do, which was not have the upbringing you had. Um, and it took him a couple weeks and then he brought it up just the other day. And he's like, you know, I think I was sidelined. I think I deflected from the kids saying that home is where the family is. He's like, well, no. What? Home is- a man deflected? What? Right. And then he admitted it. So he does have male genes. Oh, that's good. He does. Good to know. He took it personally, but he came back around and said, you know, all things seem to be pointing to us going back. So in the past 24 hours, everything has whipped up and uh, we met with so quickly. We met with our real estate agent last night. Oh, wow. And I mean, I'm seeing my mom today. I'm doing uh, late Mother's Day. We're going to the, to the. Where are we going? What do you call that thing where people are dead and they're buried? Cemetery. Um, <laughs> this is what my mom wants for Mother's Day. She wants to go to the cemetery. It's the one noun I wouldn't have thought you would have forgotten, actually. <laughs> I mean, table, is- chair, doorway. I get that. but <laughs> Cemetery. Couldn't get it. Um, I think this, I don't know if this is an elderly thing too. My mom for Mother's Day likes to go to the cemetery where my Auntie Jean, Auntie Irene, her mom, and my two cousins are buried all like within a two minute walk of each other. The same thing. I have no interest in going to cemeteries. I don't feel like when I'm there, I'm visiting my grandmother. I, I people are with you or they're not with you. Um, I don't know. It's, but it's for some people that they really need that action of going and it gives them comfort. So that's a big thing for my mom. And that's hard to do from out here too. Yeah. So today is visiting her mom and having fish and chips. There you go. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. I refuse to have fish and chips at the cemetery. So we'll go there first. That seems weird. I don't want a picnic there. And I know some people do that. That's not my thing. So I know that seems creepy. I don't mind going and (laughs) saying, hey, how's it going? Um, And I think about it actually periodically because my to see my dad and my aunt and whatnot um and my grandparents are all in the same cemetery not fucking close to one another unfortunately this place is massive um but thankfully when my mother goes she'll be with my dad so i don't have to worry about that they have Um, a shared plot yeah yeah they bought a shared plot thank god um but 
I don't, I don't actually mind. Like I haven't been in a while, certainly not since the pandemic started. Um, but we can't, I mean, we can't go on my dad's birthday because it's fucking December and it's cold. Um, yeah. Father's Day we could, but then like there's so many people there. Yeah. Like that's the other that, thing. So <laughs> that's why we didn't go on Mother's Day. No. Said, we'll push it off during the week and uh, we'll go on a, on the Friday. Yeah, it was just easier. But I mean, that's part of this whole sandwich generation doula thing, right? Is it's a, what's a blessing is in the middle of the day, I can make that time um and and go do this if i had a nine to five job i couldn't so that's the flip side of this right yeah is that i'm i'm able to the the not great part of that able to is a little bit of expectation by people that i will Mm -hmm. before i've said yes you know yeah that's that's the balancing and i think boundaries with family is the hardest thing well, it's funny, like, so tonight, my uncle wants, uh, when I went to see him on Wednesday, he started asking about the Blackhorn and he wanted to get, you know, a steak and whatnot. So I said, okay. Um, he goes, well, when, when do you have eat out night? And I go, well, we usually have it on Saturday. I go, but I'm not getting you the Blackhorn on Saturday because after I've taught all day, I'm not leaving my house. Like I'm not driving to bring you yeah. food. And I just said that, like, I am brain fucked at that point like I I can't put two words together after I've taught all day on zoom so it's not happening so I will get it for you on Friday I'll drop it off to you after I drop my son off at work but I'm not doing it on Saturday like and I I had to lay that out like I'm I can do a lot but I'm not a machine like I can't there's only so much I can do but I think I mean when 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 people see you and they're, you know, you're, especially for moms, you know, the main parent, you just keep going and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing. And people think, you know, oh, well, we can just add more to that plate because look at her. She just keeps doing and doing and doing and she can handle that. It's like, yeah, but you know what? This plate is not made out of stone. Okay. There's at some point this plate's going to break. So you can't keep putting more on top of it. Okay. It's, you know, maybe it is a Chinette paper plate, but at some point something's going to start leaking and breaking. So, (laughs) so stop putting more shit on my plate. (laughs) Fair enough. How about I do our land acknowledgement and then we can get to, well, I guess we can, the, Suzanne is missing. I guess we should just point that out. Suzanne is missing. She's gone to her first back to person, back to in-person birth at a hospital. And she's having a good time. I'm so happy that uh, the first thing she said was that everyone is just in the kindness mindset, everyone she's come across today. So I'm happy to hear that. But we shall forge ahead without her today. They fucking missed us. That's it. Don't you fuck... Those nurses, you can bet your sweet ass they missed us because now oh, it's all sure. on them, okay? Yeah, there's sometimes we can be pains in the asses, but I'm telling you right now, we are more help than we are not. That's the truth. My, my friends that work at, uh, at uh, Sinai, exactly. They said that, you know, it's beforehand, it was always nice to have a doula, you know, because you could just come in and kind of do your charting and, you know, there was not the mental emotional load of the 
emotional and physical needs of the person outside of what they kind of needed to do, what was in their wheelhouse, what they do well. And quite honestly, God love nurses. Okay. I know it's nurses week this week too. Yeah, that's right. It is. Every time I go to the fucking hospital, they have changed the goddamn software on these people and people, you know, you've got two or three people coming into the room to help them with the software. I don't know why hospitals think new software helps when you're constantly changing it or updating it and not allowing paid time to be properly trained on it, expecting people to, to learn in the moment. You know, St. Mike's did that sort of um, on the screen um, computer charting and things like that. <clears throat> the same same stuff they used to have years ago. Yeah. At uh, at Sinai with the with the choo choo train. Do you remember the choo choo train at the top? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're chugging along. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they actually, after they had that for maybe about a year, and then fuck that, they went back to paper charts, and they yeah. still. They still have paper charts. I don't know what they have when they get back to the desk, but they still have paper charts when they come into the the patient's room. That's right. They have their the the clipboards. Yep. They all have a clipboard. Yep. I love that. Like I think that's great. I mean, I'm all for technology, but yeah. God love them. God love them. All right. I'll do our land acknowledgement. Uh, I guess this will be. Yeah, since I'm getting ready to move, these will be the last few Mississauga ones because we're planning on moving quickly. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the land on which we gather or I gather with my family and raise my family and now prepare to move from the land. Um, it's within the region of Peel and part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. For thousands of years, the Indigenous people inhabited and cared for this land and they continue to do so. In particular, we acknowledge the territory of the Anishinaabek, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, the Ojibwe, Chippewa peoples. The land that is home to the Métis and most recently the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who are the direct descendants of the Mississaugas of the Credit. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to work here, to live here, to grow here, um, and to share this land with my family. And by doing so, I want to give respect to its first inhabitants by treating it well. There we go. Yeah. Cool. So what was next up on our list of things to chat about? What makes sense to talk about without Suzanne? That's a well, new one. Well, we are talking, it's not new. <laughs> um, no, a new one. Go ahead. Well, so uh, on the list, I have the importance of cesarean birth support, which really is, is right up your alley. It is up my alley. Um, I mean, have we talked specifically about VBAC before as well? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, cesarean birth support. Boy, oh boy. Um, and I get a lot of those questions from, from younger doulas, I find like younger in their career type things. Um, I don't, I think that a lot of people, or maybe I'm wrong, assume that there's not much you can do, but my happiest thing is when someone finds out, let's say you're a doula, you, your client comes to you very upset that they're having to take a right-hand turn they didn't want to take 
and the safest route for them um, is to have a cesarean section. So after talking through, I guess the first step I, I do anyway is talking through, all right, yeah, that was a hell of a right turn. Sure what, didn't see that coming, you know? Yeah. But um, you've, you had already prepared for the thing, for the idea, or at least we had already chatted about the idea that it's a might happen. It's always a might happen. Even it's for always a might happen. Just, it's a might happen. So in the might happen, what would you see? What did you see as a positive cesarean? And let's start, instead of saying, we're going to have a positive cesarean if it happens, we're going to have a positive cesarean or a positive surgical birth or belly birth or whatever is the phrase that speaks to you. How are we going to make that a good day? How are we going to make this a good birthing day? And that conversation alone, instead of what I've seen, heard about, um, whereas doulas just step out like, oh, you're having a cesarean. Well, I'll talk to you after the baby's born and we'll do some breastfeeding support. Yeah, no, no, get right back in there. Yeah. You know, this is still a person's birthing day and there is so much support you can offer about normalizing it, acknowledging their discomfort, acknowledging that there's a lot of messages out there that they, they feel they might encounter afterwards as well. Right. I think we've, we've all, I see this all the time around ICANN or around Cesarean Awareness Month, um, that you didn't give birth if you had a cesarean. I, I can't even imagine, and I've done this a long time, but I have never, ever, 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 ever heard those words from anybody. Have you heard that? So I've, I've definitely heard it from birth professionals. I, I've one, yeah, recently too. That person I'm having the Instagram fight with, Mm-hmm. who I'm going out of my way to make their life a living hell because they are just horrible individuals um, <laughs> who I'm not going to say because God knows they do not need any more fucking followers. Um, but yeah, they're, I mean, their whole thing is, you know, if you didn't give birth without, um, you know, help of any kind, if you didn't give birth um you know, you have to have given birth at home without any medical support whatsoever for it to be a natural birth, for it to be, for it to be considered birth. Everything you did beforehand, anything, you know, met, that will medically um, support your birth is not birth. That's the strangest thing, because there's a child exiting your body exactly this person, is this person also a turf like is this someone who oh yeah yeah 100 okay. i don't even know what that means but i've 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 seen it it's like just you're they believe that we're taking the word woman that we're disrespecting the word woman yes 100 percent. yeah you know that this we're, really that we're erasing it. we're erasing women and mothers by using terms like birth parent and blah blah blah. So yeah, at any time I see any of that on their Instagram page, I'm reporting it. It makes no sense. That's like saying um, support <laughs> breast cancer awareness is ignoring other is acting like cancer itself doesn't exist. Yep. No, it's not. 
It's just not. It's a person is giving birth. I don't get to say if that person is a woman or a man. I can say that I can say that person is giving birth. I can say that person is a, a birthing person. I can say that person has uterus. Of course, when I work with clients, I can say mother, or I can say father, or I can say person because I or, know or however they wish to be identified. That's right. If I am working, even if I ask a question in a group, I did, I got called out a little while ago for not saying birthing person. And I didn't say mama or mummy or anything like I that. that. Yeah. Um, I just said, I think I said mother, this mother in particular is feeling this. And they said, um, you mean birthing person? I'm like, no, my client is a mother. And so that's how they identified. I, I said mother and they're cool with me saying mother and referring to them as mother. This is their experience. Um, and I, I think it's just some people hopping in. I don't, I don't think everybody fully understands like, or, okay. So there is the thing where it says my mummy or my mother. It's like, well, no, it's not your mother. It's your client. Yes. They are a mother, you know? Um, yeah. But uh Anyhow, yeah, it got completely off of you. You're dealing with your your turfy person. Well, I I have so I've actually been accused. I can't remember what the exact words were that they said was, um, but in my classes, it was on an evaluation that you know um, I I made cesarean sound negative or things like that, and it certainly wasn't my intention. And if I did, um, you know, this would have been like probably five or six years ago. But since that came, since that sort of wording was put on the evaluation, I basically now start um, each class by saying, so <laughs> here we go. Uh, <laughs> I, if there was a human in you and the human came out of you, you gave birth whether that baby came out of your vagina, whether that baby came out of your abdomen, whether that baby came out your nose, however it happened, that baby was in you, that baby came out of you, you gave birth. So yes, you did. however that happens, whatever journey you take, that's up to you. So we, we, and we, and I take it from there because I don't want anybody to think that you know, if they end up having a surgical birth, that it is a failure, that it is not birth, that it is something that, you know, is a negative. Because as you say, it doesn't have to be. We can make it a positive experience for them. It may not be what they wanted, but how can we help them through that to make it less negative for them? How can we, and it's not that we're downplaying it. It's not that we're brushing it no. aside or whitewashing it. We're just trying to make it a better experience for them so that they can look upon it as a good day. Some of my clients and some people are very information based, but I think when we look at the relative overall experience, when I, when I work with families who've had a previous cesarean and they want, they, they come to me and say, I want a VBAC. Often, what was never explained to them, the easy route often is said, your pelvis is too small, which we know statistically, very unlikely. It what might have been too small to pass your posterior baby because the circumference was ginormous, because um, those posterior babies do love to not tuck their chins. Nope. Um, they love I to know. come out straight. 
Yeah, exactly. That nice, big, right across the forehead, banging on the pelvic bone type thing. Yeah, your baby got stuck, but not because your pelvis was too small. It was literally logistics. Yep. Had a fail. Some people say, you know, failure to progress is often just failure of the induction. Uh, Oftentimes with an induction, you know, what we know genetically about how induction works is that we can throw all these drugs at it. But if your body hasn't created the receptors to receive the message that we're sending with the meds, then the induction failed. You didn't fail. Your body didn't fail. The, simply, your body wasn't ready to receive the message yet. And so it literally did its job so well, it refused to open. Because it hadn't got the message your baby was ready yet. So it did its best to protect knowing what it knew. It didn't know the logistics of the fact that there was something going on with your baby that made it time for them to come and they'd be safer in the outside world rather than on the inside. But sometimes it's also just a chosen induction and it might very well be sold as something that's easy peasy. And sometimes it is. Um, But it sometimes it's... um, it's not easy peasy and there's not an understanding of why it didn't work. And it has nothing to do with my body's broken. It has not, it rarely has anything to do with the individual. It has everything to do with the logistics of the things that were happening that caused medications to not accomplish what they came to accomplish. Yeah. I always say, if your body's not ready to do this, we can throw everything at it but it's not going to give up your baby if it's not ready to do that. So we got to convince your body ahead of time before we start throwing all this medication at it, that this is okay. This is a good time. So that's when the conversation in the classes come out about natural inductions, quote, air quotes. Um, But, you know, if we can't convince your body that this is a good idea, it's not going to give up your baby. Because its job is to keep that baby safe and healthy and and alive, and if it's not if it can't do that, if it's not ready to move to the next step, that shit's not going to happen. That shit is not going to happen, and it has nothing to do with a failure. No, no. Um, and sometimes when preparing for an in, uh. So when ahead of time, if I've had that conversation, what is induction with a client? Then if for some reason we moved, I've done cesarean preparation by saying it's an option that it might not take. We can do lots of visualizations of opening. We can do all of those things that kind of help your body. We almost trick your body into saying, no, no, we are ready. We are ready. Let it happen. Let that sucker open welcome these medications, watch them wash over your cervix and open you. Like we can do all of those things. Um, Cause that's as much a part of the preparation, but also we can accept without ego that if those things don't happen, oh man, my body was just so protective of this baby. It grew that at this point we are going to, well, we're either going to turn off induction and take a break and try again or we are going to move to cesarean and it's not your fault. And it's a joyous day because you chose this induction today. You you agreed that this was the best for you or you chose this was best for you. And so if it's best for your baby to be born, because you knew this to be right, then we'll move to the next type of birth, which is cesarean birth. And what do we need to happen in that room for it to still continue to feel good? Even if I can't be there with you, what do you need? Um, And for most people, 
the logistics again of receiving your baby afterwards can feel really overwhelming. Um, so we go through almost like a role play. Of, so your baby's gonna, we go through what to expect, what sensations you'll have, um, that the baby will likely go to the warmer depending on where you're birthing at a couple hospitals in, in Toronto, at the Toronto East General, what's it called now? Michael William Garen. Michael, Michael Garen. Yeah. That's and what money will get you. You can name a hospital. There you go. You can um, let them know that you'd like skin to skin and they will lift the sterile sheet and press the baby up underneath you. Um, like literally your baby is born as if they were coming out of your vagina um, onto your chest. Yeah. And it sometimes you get a little bit of pushback, but there's no harm in asking. Consumer driven yeah. requests are huge and they will be charted. Yeah. So even if they are refused, ask. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know at St. Mike's, it's not, it's not possible. Um, though I suspect if it was a planned uh, cesarean, there's negotiation that could happen. Um, because I know that I've seen uh, anesthesiologists I've, we asked one time when the anesthesiologist was in the room, but the doctor was not. And the anesthesiologist said, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem, but we'll, we'll check with the doctor first. Now, whether it actually happened, I don't know. Um, but the anesthesiologist was on board for it because it's all happening like right in their area, right? Like it's all, cause they're like right there and it's all, and yeah. it's not that big of a space. So I kind of get, you know, logistically why they're not sort of super happy about it but um then we always talk about like in class we always talk about well it might not be you your partner can do skin to skin like mm -hmm. so when you put those blue scrubs on <laughs> those blue paper scrubs don't put a shirt on underneath and then that's they'll right. just rip down the front, put baby skin to skin and then wrap a warm blanket around both of you and that's entirely possible too so, you know, having, knowing that that's possible and, and knowing that I think sometimes, you know, the birthing parent is like, you know, I really want to do skin to skin, but it's almost like, you know, some of them are like, it's not the skin to skin for them, but it's the skin to skin for the baby. So as long yes. as the baby's getting skin to skin, that's okay if it's not me. And sometimes I think it's okay to, it's important actually to bring up that you've had that visual of wanting skin to skin with your baby and welcoming them and being that first place they land. However, laying flat on your back in an OR is probably one of the most uncomfortable things. You've, done, you've not laid flat on your back for nine months. Yeah. Um, it's not a comfortable table. No. You're, it's not good for lumbar support. Your arm, at least one arm is out to the side so that uh, anesthesia can have access. Um, and often, there's vomiting. Yes. There's the chills, there's vomiting from people literally just like there's medications and stuff, but logistically you are open. There are hands inside your body cavity. Yep. It is moving your bits about. And sometimes your body goes, Whoa, we got to clear out what's in here and you'll vomit. And yeah. the, the sense of nausea really <laughs> is not awesome. When you're holding a baby, there's fear that often comes in because you feel it coming and you're worried about having to pass off your baby from that position. Yeah. So it is okay to say, 
I want skin to skin. It's also okay. You're not a bad parent. If you say, I actually really need to focus on myself right now, get past this nausea, get to recovery. And then I want that moment where I'm splitting up a little bit more, not feeling nauseous. And I'm able to sit in that moment with my baby. I've, I've said too, because I've seen this in, in clients who've gone in for cesarean, I wasn't allowed in the cesarean, but was in the recovery room, um, you know, where they come out and they're in the recovery room and they're just shaking, like shake, 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 shake. And they're just not, you know, and the partner's like, you want to do skin to skin? And you can see she wants to, or they want to. But there's like hesitation and it's like, it's okay. If you don't get that skin to skin immediately once you get into recovery because you're shaking and you need some time to just, your body and your brain need time to sort of work out what just happened. And that's okay. If you don't get that immediate skin to skin when you get into recovery, that's okay. There's nothing wrong. And once you are good and comfortable and you've sort of been able to, you know, mentally assess what just happened, especially if it, you know, became a cesarean from a labor, if you have that time to sort of mentally assess and let your body just, ah, you know, from everything that it just went through, then, then you can have skin to skin. You can have that baby skin to skin with you until it becomes weird. Okay. So just keep that baby skin to skin with you for as long as you want after that, but don't feel bad if you feel like now is just not the right time. That's okay. As you say, you've got to look after yourself first, process what just happened and then take that next step forward. It's okay to do it in in gradual steps. So another part of, um, cesarean prep, which is part of regular prep as well. But um, when we talk about the cesarean birth plan is asking, what if I have to go under general anesthetic? And it's scary, but it happens on rare occasions. And I think when we have something that is so jarring, it can feel like everything that meant anything to me about that day went out the window. So we talk about, again, those things that really define welcoming your baby for you. So you have to go under general anesthetic, but you wanted your baby to nurse within the first hour. Great. So here's how we can make that happen in your communication sheet. We want, um, if babe does not have to go to nursery, you can ask that the nurse assist with breast crawl and latch. Are they busy? Absolutely. So it might not happen the moment you are back in recovery, but it can happen. We see it all the time. Um, It's just often people don't think to ask or think to do, you know, but if you're, is it because they're afraid to ask? Like, I don't, I think it's more just systems. So you get back to recovery. There is a long laundry list. I'm sure, you know, having been in recovery with, with clients, the, in and out and charting and blood pressure and um, waiting for, especially if someone is under a general anesthetic, the monitoring of the person um, health-wise versus something like breastfeeding is their primary goal. The monitoring of the baby who is well enough to be in recovery with them is not. But as the parent, particularly whoever the partner is, um, guiding them on how to, you know, watching a breast crawl video 
how can you literally just be the bumpers on yeah. either side of the baby, you know, so they can do that. Um, if that is too much to ask of the partner, well, is it important to you that the baby have a colostrum then? Because we can, here's a little video on how to hand express colostrum. They keep the vials in recovery. They keep the little, uh, okay. what do you call the things? Yeah, and the literally here's, yeah, here's how you hand express direct colostrum directly from the breast so that you can walk back over to the, the where your baby, the isolate your baby's in and let them have that colostrum. So they don't have a blood sugar drop from being separated. Yes. Um, and all of those things can really, it's like, oh, okay. So we don't lose everything. If I have a, if the baby comes out through an incision versus through my vagina. No, we don't, we don't have to, or we can, we can just say, if, if we're having a cesarean, the opposite of that is we're having a cesarean. We're just going whole hog. You know, there won't be any nursing till I wake up. There won't be any colostrum collection till I wake up. Babe can do skin to skin with the partner until I wake up. That's it. Um, I don't want to complicate it, but for other people, those things very much matter. Holding on to those pieces matter. So when preparing for the, for a, any birth, but in the section C-section pre preparation section, I always ask which of those pieces really feel like parenting decisions for you? Yeah. Because it's parenting. It's still, yeah, 100%. I, and I love having those conversations. The other thing that sometimes gets overlooked is whether the birthing parent is the one to be put to sleep or if they're awake, what if babe goes to the nursery? What has to go to NICU or special care for additional, um, additional watching? What does parenting look like for you? Do you want your partner to go with? And okay, so your partner's going with, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to leave one cell phone with you and partner's going to take the other. So you guys can stay in touch. Yeah. Um, and you're not waiting for a message coming down the hall. Yes. You know, we're, so we're going to make sure that we have that going into the OR with us in case that partner has to leave directly from the OR. Yeah. We're taking both phones. One yeah. of them going underneath your pillow on your <laughs> the OR so that again, we're not waiting. You're still parenting. You're still in it. Yeah. You know? You're still, you're still a decision maker in the process, right? You are still a decision maker. You're still in the loop. And also that takes the pressure off the partner of having to be the primary decision maker again. Yeah. That must be really hard to make decisions in a NICU solo when you're not only having to make the decision by yourself, but you're also worried about your partner who's yeah. alone now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are really, I think for many people, for those who just work in hospitals, who have to just make decisions in the moment about the physical health of a person, this is where being a doula is so important because these are the mental, emotional parenting steps that you <clears throat> have in your head. And you might not have even acknowledged that these things matter to you until we bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, I think when, when I'm dueling, and this is why I think, um, you know, being a virtual doula for me works so well, because it's the idea of, you know, we're going to sit down and plan and give you sort of what to expect. Yeah, there's a whole book, what to expect, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when we, I hate that book. <laughs> um, but it's like, when, yeah, we have this idea. Um, 
actually, let me just have a sidebar here. That particular, like I've looked at books, you know, birthing pregnancy books, and they're like so much information about the pregnancy, but there's only mm-hmm. like a couple of chapters at the end based on the actual birth and postpartum and cesarean and things like that. Like just maybe an eighth of the entire book is for that. And yep. it's like, uh, that's the big stuff. That's the important stuff. Anyway, so <clears throat> as a doula, uh, so losing my voice. I've been talking so much this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a doula, my job is to sort of prepare you for what to expect. My job is to, even if I'm at an actual birth, to say, okay, this is what's happening. This is where, this is, this is what the doctors are seeing. This is what we're going to likely be facing moving forward. How do you feel about that? This is what, you know, is happening. Um, and being able to like, give it to you in plain language. So you know, without a doula, you, you get the, I, you get the, the call, you know, something X, Y, Z is happening with baby. We're going to have to have a cesarean birth. Okay. So here's your date and don't eat after midnight and we'll see you on that day. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And maybe you get like a pamphlet, right? <laughs> a pamphlet you know, that you're not going to read or you're going to read it and it's not going to absorb into your head. But that pamphlet will talk about specifics. It will talk about physical things. But it's, as you say, it's not going to talk about the emotional things. It's not going to talk about, you know, the little details and things like that, that need to happen for your brain to process what's happening. Because we always have questions. You're like, okay, so that's the physical stuff. And then you're just going to go. And then you're going to go in and you're not going to have realized that your baby is going to be separated from you. You're not going to have realized that your body is going to be shaking, but that's going to maybe prevent you from doing skin to skin. It's not preparing you for how you're going to manage. Well, what happens if I can't feed baby initially? Does that mean that formula is going to happen and I can't do X, Y, Z? Like there's so many questions that might come up. But this little piece of paper that they give you isn't going to answer that for you. And your surgery is like in three days. So who do you call? What do you do? Do you go online and ask Google? I fucking hope not. But, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe you ask a doula, right? Maybe that's, you know, the, the questions that those are the questions and those are, that's the preparation that we need. It's not a matter of you know, this is, this is X, Y, Z is going to happen and step-by-step and here's the physical stuff. There's also this other stuff, all this sort of enigma stuff over here, this blurry vision stuff over here that we need to, that we need to look at and and sort through so that this can be a good experience for you. Because even if you Mm -hmm. go in and you say, okay, yeah, I'm having a surgery on this day and it's the best day. It's the, it's the best thing for, for my baby and myself. Great. That's what we're doing. And then it happens and you're now your brain is like, oh God, this, there was this, and then there was this, and then there was this, and now you have negative feelings towards your birth. And then in that, and now it's like, now you're, you're delving into postpartum depression area now as a result of a birth that, you know, you thought you had a handle on, but didn't go the way you thought it was going to go because you didn't consider and- all these other things. 
you didn't consider, you didn't walk through even questions. Like it was so bright. It hurt my eyes Yeah, and you weren't expecting to have that feeling that day. Yep. Um, you know, all of those things. And again, so much depends on where you are. There's some hospitals that will dim the lights and just highlight the surgical area. There's hospitals that will say, Hey, did you bring your phone? Can we pop, can we, you know, put it on our eye dock and play some music for you? There's others like, or like, no, we only play what the surgeon wants. Um, but there's so many questions you can ask you can find out what's your norm, um, what, or even what's your policy? Because some things might really get pushed back because policy has happened and policies happened because of insurance and insurance has happened because something went wrong at one point. Yeah. So sometimes it can be really like an affront to be told no, but you've chosen this hospital. And part of the research is finding out what those policies are that are not law, because yeah. if, if you're in a position to do something that is outside of policy, then you can do it. But when you're on a table having surgery, you're, you can't do anything about no. <laughs> things that are happening. Yeah. So in that OR, you want to find out what their policies are, what things are flexible. Um, and much like you've had this question, Kim, talking to people, you're not questioning your doctor. You're finding out about the birth environment you're birthing in. You're asking you know? questions. Absolutely. Just like if you're moving into a house, you want to find out about the community, you want to find out if there's any broken valves anywhere or find out if something's a little shaky or, you know, what, what can we fix up that'll make it feel better for me? Yeah. Um, how, how can you help me achieve that? Um, Absolutely. And even as a doula being the resources that we have, the relationships that we have, often we can help you find, again, the way to the patient advocate. You might not hear from the person you first ask. You might not hear that there can be a solution, but if you need to be heard, sometimes you got to bypass now and you've given them the option to have a talk with you. You haven't been given the option of having a talk. So maybe you got to go to the patient advocate and say, you know what? I want to birth at this hospital and I want to birth with you at this hospital, but obviously I need a mediator because for some reason I wasn't being heard that day. So I need to be heard before I feel safe. Going and I, think, I think sometimes I've noticed, you know, when I've had clients say, you know, they've been told they have to have an induction and this is what's going to happen, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Right. But when the client has said, like, I get that I have to have an induction because of this particular reason, but I really wanted to do this as intervention free as possible. I really wanted my birth to be you know, ABC over here. And it's almost like when the care providers have heard that, it's like, oh, okay, all right. So let's try blah, blah, blah. Let's do this instead. Like, it's almost like there's policy or there's procedural things that have to be done and we're just going to do them. But then if they hear and they just expect that everybody's going to fall into, you know, just fall in line with that. But if you get a client that can say to their care provider, you know, look, I really, this is really how I wanted my birth to go and be honest and open and vulnerable and say, look, this is how I wanted things to go. How can you help me with this, even though we have to do this? Oh, okay, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we can do blah, blah, blah. We can do this. Because oftentimes, 
it's not necessarily policy. It's just a procedural step-by-step -step that they've been doing for so many years. It doesn't mean that it can't be changed. It doesn't mean that it can't be shifted in, in some way to make it a little bit more easier for the client. So it's okay to yeah. ask and it's yeah. okay to be vulnerable and say, look, I get that this is the way this is happening. This is not what I wanted. How can we get, you know, how can we get these particular things that are really important to me that I was really hoping for in the birth? And that may be the skin to skin and the immediate feeding and blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. it's okay to ask if, you know, maybe we can step outside this textbook box step-by-step -step procedure recipe. Maybe we can we can throw in something else here and still have a good outcome. And you might very well. There you know when people are passionate and they're working in a line of work they might just be waiting for that person that customer that client that patient yeah. to be the one to bring it up so they can say now i have ground yes. to stand on yes. now it's not me standing against this environment that i work in yeah. it's patient driven care and i'm able to say that out loud to my superior i've had a, B, and C ask about this. So I think at our next meeting, we really need to add that to the agenda because we're seeing it. And yeah. it's and we want to stay abreast of those things that feel like support to our community right now. Yeah. Not we want to make them happy or you know anything like that. You want if it feels like support, people are asking for it because it feels like support, then we got to pay attention to it. That goes for doulas too. Yeah, you know, um, right now in this pandemic we're in, um, what feels like support sometimes is knowing that, or at least for for how I'm operating, if someone wants me to come to do in person work at the house ahead of time, I'm fine with that. You know, I'm not coming in super early labor, but if your goal is to labor at home uh, long enough to get a good strong labor going before heading to the hospital, then yeah, I'll come do that part of the work. I'm okay with that. You know, so long as you're okay with me coming in with my masks and gloves and all my shit, you yeah. know, um, then, then I'm okay with that. But uh, we have had to pivot. So if we can pivot system, other systems can pivot. It might be hard, but we can do hard things. We can. And, and the thing is, I mean, these systems have been in place for, such a long time. And I think it's important to know that things, things change, things ebb, things flow, things evolve. It's the nature of life. So it's okay for a system and it's probably not going to be, you know, system wide, but it might, that one little change might spark a bigger change in that particular hospital. And that's okay. That's okay to sort of, you know, start picking at the peeling wallpaper, you know, to, to peel away the layers of systemic. What you got back there? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on back there? Um, you know, to, to get back down into, you know, the nitty gritty of not just churning out patients and babies and you know flowing them through the system this is this is amazon like we want we want you're creating families here you're creating experiences here as well and i've said this before like the main the hospital's main you know goal is healthy baby healthy mom healthy parent that that's their goal 
But I'm suggesting, you know, as a doula, in the absence of an emergency, there's that third component, and that's a healthy experience. So how can how can we get care providers to to dip a toe into that healthy experience pool? Because if they can start to do that, that's huge. And then maybe we stop, maybe they stop seeing, you know, birthing parents as just, I don't even know how to say it, just like a robot. Someone to be, someone to be safely delivered of their child. Yeah. They're more than a person who just needs to be safely delivered of their child. Yeah. Um, and because it's not, we, we, a parent is born yeah. who has to go home with that baby, yep. you know? So uh, the experience, and that doesn't mean we've all seen what I think some people believe is comfort with that paternalistic approach to, you know, head patting, I'm going to yes. take care of you and you'll be fine. Yeah. And then as soon as someone starts saying they're not fine, well, no, actually you are fine. Cause your blood pressure is fine. So like, yeah. that's not what they mean. They're not yeah. feeling safe. They're not feeling, even if you've done all those things, I'm not feeling safe. The correct answer is I, I see you're feeling really unnerved or unsafe. What can we do to make that more comfortable for you right now? Yeah. Um, do you need me to just sit here? Cause the, because your whole, blood pressure is fine, but I can just sit here with you right now. Yeah, exactly. That whole new Amsterdam. Uh, so they had a, they had an episode a couple of weeks ago about um, it was like three black women birthing and, you know, it got to the point where, you know, they were, they were trying to rush this one woman in who was trying to have a VBAC. They were trying to rush her into um, a cesarean birth because on the scale, on the VBAC scale, um, she only, she was like 28% or something like that. So there was like, okay, we got to do this. We got to do that. And there was like rushing and rushing. And then the one doctor who's like the head of the hospital or whatever, standing there and he's like, stop everybody stop. Evelyn, I think her name was, how can we help? What do you need? And she was like, I want to deliver my baby naturally. Again, I hate that word, but, um, and, uh, and he was like, okay. And he turned to the, the doctor who was like sitting there between her legs and said, you know, so what can we do? And they're like, but it's too dangerous because on the scale. And he goes, well, what if we make her white? Well, then she's a good candidate, blah, blah, blah. Okay, make her white. And that's because <laughs> it's a, that, it, that calculator is not a safety calculator. It nope. is an ethical calculator. It's when it brings in the prejudices, biases of the system into, onto a person, when you put all the prejudices and stuff on a person, what's their success rate? Not their safety rate. No, exactly. What is their success rate based on all the prejudices that ex currently exist in the system? Are you Hispanic? Are you fat? Are you, yeah. are you, you know, are you petite? Are you black? Are you any of these other things? It's, these are all the things that are not supposed to impact your access to good care. Yes. but they do. But and they so do. this, when people keep using the success calculator, it's like, okay, so we have these prejudices at our hospital. So you only have 26% based on the fact that we're fucking you over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what your scale is telling you. 
That's right. So we're racist. So you're not going to get a V back. (laughs) Or the system is racist. So, you know, it's, you don't have a good chance. It's like, how about we just change the racism? Yeah. How we can't about change her? So we can't change the patient. So maybe we can change the way we actually look at things. And let's be honest. So there was, um, I, I showed you that, that LinkedIn, um, from that OB in the States that wants to, uh, that thinks that that doulas need to be, you know, there needs Properly to be more trained. doulas. Yeah. And well, his, his statement was that we need more doulas, but then the secondary statement was, but they need to have better training. And it's like, uh, excuse me, pot. Um, you also need better training. Thank you very much. Yes, you can do the medical shit, but you work within a system that is so fucking broken don't start fucking up our system. Our system exactly. works. Start start looking exactly. at your own st- system and fix that shit first before you start going and sticking your fingers into us. Thank you very we much. We don't want more medical training. No, we don't. That's, I don't. Medical this training is why is I like my job. <laughs> Seriously. That's the whole point. We're not, we're not supposed to be, you know, laden with medical information. I no. mean, medical procedures. I don't want to be approved to do a vaginal exam. Thank you very oh, much. hundred percent. Know? That's a hard no for me. I am, yeah. I am above the waist. Thank you very, I don't even want to touch your feet. I'm above the waist. <laughs> I love touching feet, but, um, but yeah, we have to fix the system. Um, and even when you have a family who comes to you and they are very excited about, I don't like to yuck someone else's yum. But when someone comes to me and they are, were very excited that they asked for a, a primary cesarean or they asked for a repeat cesarean, but they were not given, again, we're not given all the information of what to expect. That drives me crazy, but then I have to make it part of the birth planning. It's like, and I, I'll ask, so and I'm not trying to deter you. I want you to understand so that if something comes up, you don't feel like you're blindsided. Yeah. So, you know, how many babies do you want to have? Okay. So if each time you have another cesarean, we have to really carefully watch for accretia the next time for that placenta that's going to grow through the scar. So, and I don't want that to be a surprise for you um, because it significantly goes up with each, you know, yes. Um, yes. it, it, and we're, we're seeing that more and more. And I see it, especially when I have somebody who's had two cesareans and then finds out that the risks for that are more and they, um, and they want to have more kids, especially, you know, they have to take their own health. The person carrying the child, growing the child, uh, you have to be healthy. And then they get pushed back when they have a, they're planning a VBAC after two cesareans. Um, and they're like, but you're the ones who said that I, that being pregnant after two cesareans is perfectly healthy, but now all of a sudden, because I'm 40 weeks, I have to have a repeat. Um, and actually I had that. It was, uh, I was going to a hospital with a client who, um, we literally arrived fully dilated. Oh, wow. Having a V back after two. Wow. And as soon as we got there, they started prepping my client for surgery and, you know, she's breathing, she's doing good and everything. I'm like, what is going on here? Um, and the midwife hadn't arrived yet. Like this just moved really quickly. Yeah. And they're like, well, she said, she's she had two cesareans. I'm like, yeah, what, where's her midwife? I'm like, well, we're just, we're prepping for surgery. And 
my plan is just trying to have a baby. Thankfully, her midwife did swoop in and say, no, no, she knows she's been, she's, she's having a, a VBAC. And she did, but she had it with arms folded staff in the room. Oh, come on. Because they didn't approve of this. And it's like the, the statistics are actually very much in, in favor of the safety of VBAC after two, even VBAC after three. It's after three that there's more gray area because we don't have them that often. There's not enough yeah. statistics. Um, but rupture after one and two is very similar. And, and it's not catastrophic rupture. It's just separation. Yeah. So it's, it's nothing that even causes you to have to go get a C-section. It's often what we find out is afterwards that there was a separation, but there's no problem with baby. Baby's born fine. And we find out afterwards that there was a separation of the wall. So catastrophic what the and it's a horrible word but catastrophic rupture is completely different than rupture yes and it happens very rarely in the case of rupture so again we have to really look at relative risk when we're talking to people and that means also not downplaying the decision someone has made give them all the respect of that decision by giving them all the information well and isn't that just it it's respect right it's respect that i can make a decision on my own, given the the information. I'm not three years old, for God's sake. Please give me the information and allow me to do a risk-benefit analysis of it and decide for myself what risks I am willing to take, what I am willing to, to go through. If you treat me like I'm, you know, two years old, then that's not going to work for me. I'm, I'm an adult human. I, I've gotten to this point in my life making decisions for myself. I'm not an idiot. Allow me nope. to make this decision, honestly. And make it with you. Don't like asking those questions, like the brain questions, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, so I'm not quite comfortable with it yet. I don't feel like I have a full grasp on it. What can you direct me to read what can you direct me to that'll help me find comfort in this? Um, and whether that's a VBAC or a repeat cesarean or choosing to move forward, even if like, if you're, if a, so I have a client right now who is, um, she is very deep in her faith yeah. and she is in within that faith. She is making decisions that are outside of the medical norm. Um, and she has to keep, thank, thankfully, this client has all the grace in the world. Like her, she does, she takes nothing personally. She believes that things are brought to her because she can deal with them. Yeah. So when she's getting this pushback, she doesn't take it personally. She has to just keep repeating herself saying, so in the instance where what you're recommending wouldn't be possible for me, for whatever reason, what would the next best safe step be? Right. And she shouldn't have to coach her physician through this. No. But um, but she's having to right now because she's like, understand this is not personal. This is my faith. Yeah. You know, you, you really, you're not higher than the messages God is giving me. And, um, what? Right. And, <laughs> and it is okay to have those respectful decisions. It is unfortunate that one of the few times that the system will be supportive to a degree is when you drop the GOD or oh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> you want to clear and, a room ask if you can have some time to pray on it yes yes most certainly <laughs> and they're or like oh god that. they scatter like roaches when the lights go on yeah 
I need some time with God, and uh, and it, people do clear pretty quickly. And it's, it's horrible because as a woman, you should be able to simply say, in my autonomous decision making, yeah, I just say no. Um, but um, but she is having to coach her physician through this very difficult time. It's a young physician who I think is struggling with it. But um, oh, he's probably taking all of his medical knowledge and all everything he's been told by the patriarchy and going, oh, wait a minute, you're supposed to be compliant. I don't understand you. That's right. And she's being so assured and relaxed in, in things, even things like, what could you give me to read that would allow me to understand this in my terms that might even make me be able to bring this to my prayer and be able to present this and see how this feels in my body. And he's not able to give it to her because the actual policy around it and everything actually supports the decision-making, like the ability to make recommendations and then remove yourself from that and give them the gold standard of care based on what is actually going to happen. Um, especially with the risk factors, it's like, well, you know, this is on you, you know, that if you make this, you know, I, I don't take responsibility or you have to take responsibility for these decisions. It's like, yeah, like this is my body. I got to go home with this, yeah. you know, and I have to go home with my baby. And I hope I go home with my baby. And I yeah. can only tell you that I'm weighing this over here. This, I'm, this is not a small thing where I feel like God is mo moving me for this. So I need you to work within that and make, I'm not telling you, you have to give me a safe delivery. I'm telling you, you have to trust that I know that this is what I need to do. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. There's I, so many things. I'd also like to um, highlight, cause you know how I, just think Facebook groups are the best ever for doulas <laughs> to learn. Um, I, and I got into an argument or something earlier <laughs> from somebody, uh, from a moderator in a group, you know, saying that, you know, Facebook groups are terrible for, for doulas not being, you know, or for doulas being eviscerated by other doulas. What? I think they're great learning examples. Yeah, they're not, but anyways, go on. Um, but when a new doula comes into a Facebook group and says, my client is now having a planned cesarean, how can I help? Well, first off, listen to this podcast. But the, <laughs> the other thing is they will put at the end, you know, please don't, you know, tell me to talk her out of it or please don't blah, blah, blah. Like, it's at a point now where, you know, doulas are asking for support and asking for information about a particular topic and asking, having to put a caveat in, please don't X, Y, Z. That's, I hate that. We should all just be good people, but we are not. So when somebody, when a doula comes into a group and says, hey, my client is now having a planned cesarean, what can I do to support them? What can I do to help them? Actually answer that question. Actually read what has been said and answer the actual question that was asked. They didn't ask you how to talk them out of it. They didn't ask you how to challenge the care provider. They didn't ask you um, that whether cesareans are bad and evil. What they asked you was, how can they support? How, what can they do for their client? 
Answer the fucking question. Answer the fucking question. That should be like the, you know what? We should have a doula group called answer the fucking question. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> do, you need, do you need help and support? We will answer your fucking questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should just have a segment here called we answer the fucking question. Anonymous is fine. Send us your anonymous Send questions. Send us your anonymous we questions. Answer. We will answer your fucking question. That's what we'll call it. That's what we'll, look, we really want you to do this. Okay. I literally want you to do this. I don't rate us. Don't subscribe. I don't give a shit anymore. I know you're not going to, but I literally want you to ask us questions. Send us questions and we will answer <laughs> your fucking question. I want that to be a topic. I'm begging you for it to be a topic. Yes. On my knees, in my jammies, asking you to do this. Good golly. The pragmatic doulas at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Oh, right. boy. Wow. And that's how you supply support to somebody planning a cesarean. Dun, you dun, dun. answer the questions you don't even know they have. Yeah. Skin to skin, colostrum expression, possibility of NICU, possibility of being put to sleep. Emotional you know, possible support. Emotional support. What? You know what? Control top underwear. Get them. You, you need them. Walmart, the ones, the granny panties, you don't need them. You don't need the ones that are set that you pay $40 for because they're for a postpartum parent. All you need is some Walmart cheapies that come up to your rib cage, yep. mild compression, yep. just enough so everything doesn't move about when you get up and down. Yep. That's what you need. Yep. Yes, that is exactly what you need. And to take your meds on time, set a timer or have someone set a timer for you and they bring you your meds and your drink. Make sure you're pooping. Don't Make forget. sure you're pooping. Take your Senecoct. Poop is Eat an avocado. That's right. Eat an avocado every morning. Keep you smooth. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Lord. But Stop. ask all the questions of your client that would essentially take what's happening in a standard birthing room into an operating birthing room. Yeah. What would that look like for you? How do you feel about that? Do you want that? Great. Here's how you can ask your, ask, you know what? Ask your care provider, how can we make this happen? Not, are we allowed? As soon as you say, are we allowed or can I? The answer will often be no, because they might have not done it, don't know how to do it. And because you're asking them not only for permission, but for assistance. Yeah. So say, here's what I plan on doing. How can we make this happen? How can you ensure this happens or how can you help me make this happen? And hopefully they'll just be honest and be like, well, once we pass you back your baby, your partner can unwrap the baby and try and just plop them on you. Because honestly, once the baby's out, they're not even looking at you. Anesthesia is no. looking at you, yep. but the they are just hanging out behind your head. And often they think it's just cute as hell when a what baby gets dropped on top of you. Yep. Um, and again, if you're not going to, then the partner can do skin to skin and you can lean in. Also ask about pictures. I recommend people who are having cesarean, go look at cesarean pictures. What do you want your first pictures to look like with your baby? Do you want pictures while they're on you? Let your partner know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've even had anesthesiologists who have said, Hey, I'm sitting right here. You want me to take a couple from here? 
yeah. um, with the two of you, you know, they, they can be wonderful. Yeah, they're just standing there. I, yeah. I mean, they're only there really if something bad happens or you need more medication. And they're there literally for you. They don't care yeah. what's happening south of the curtain. No. They care about you. If you're not feeling well, let them know. Yeah. If you're feeling nauseous, let them know. If you need help turning over to vomit, let them know. They'll often hold your hair for you up over your head while you're puking to the side. Yep. Um, they The uh, anesthesia is there for the cesarean birthing parent. It's funny when I, I did a... I did a, a cesarean birth once. It was woman's college back when they, they would let you into the, the cesarean. <clears throat> I think it's it's literally the only one I've ever actually attended. Um, and, oh no, there was two. There was another one. Um, but yeah, we were having, we were having a good old conversation, him and I, and <laughs> you know, what is that you just put in? And, you know, blah, blah. It was that, it was that client with the, with the the dad who wouldn't sit still oh yes yes so when we were in there so he was off you know once baby was out he was off you know with the baby at the warmer and things like that so it was just me and her and the anesthesiologist and yeah we she was not doing well at yeah. all wanted to get up and leave yeah she wanted to get up and leave um and so <laughs> this purple goo started filtering into the, the IV. And I'm like, um, what was what that? that? And he goes, it was pro, pro, propofol. propofol. Yep. And he goes, and I, and I looked at him kind of weirdly. He goes, that's the Michael Jackson one. And I go, yeah. all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that worked for maybe about 20 minutes because then at that point she wanted to get up again and she was grabbing uh, the doctor's, ass he was yeah. he was very tall so his butt came to like his hip was right at the area where her hand was and she was trying to grab onto his ass to <laughs> get leverage to get up and he was so nice he just looked down at her and said now so and so I need you to not do that and <laughs> please just let go and he's looking at me and I'm like oh. I'll do my best. And I was like having to hold her hand, her arm with both hands to get her to stop trying to get, trying to leave. It was crazy. That was, that was a wild birth. That was the one that you and I shared. And yeah. uh, it was a it very was crazy interesting from beginning to end. Yeah. The dynamic within the family, the dynamic at the hospital. Yep. It was uh and then, I, and then I forgot the placenta mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and I was not turning around to go back and get it. They were yeah. calling me as I was driving away and I'm like, oh, I can't hear that. <laughs> turning off my phone. <laughs> There's no, because I realized that's why they were calling and I'm like, oh, fuck that. I'm leaving. Like, forget yeah. it. And I think I messaged you at that point. I forgot the placenta. Too bad. I'm not going back. Yeah. I have got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah that was hilarious. you never know I, what you're gonna find you never know never, what you're gonna find I will never forget that birth as long as I live <laughs> if I ever write a book that one's gonna be in there for sure we should do that the uh adventures of the Toronto doula group yeah well we're reading that Peggy Vincent right that yeah. baby catcher and I'm like hmm what would my birth what would my book look like so 
and it is birth story after birth story so yeah yeah I I will admit I mean we'll talk about this in a couple weeks but I will admit there's some language issues that I'm really having problems with there's some there's some comments and language issues that I'm I'm really trying to fight through it was written in 2006 I noticed yeah um and based on her experiences in 1970, 1980, I'm only up to the mid 80s at this point. Um, but I'm like, oh my God, did you just put that on paper? Do these words, are these words, did you actually say those words? Yeah. Well, that's the 80s. Oh God, I hope we've evolved. I think that's part of my problem. Like I'm reading books now, you know, since, since the pandemic and, and everything that's gone on. And I, I mean, admittedly, this should have been the way I was thinking before, but um, I've really been sort of reading things now, books that I've loved in the past and gone, Ooh, yeah, we need to, we need a new edition of this book, please. Can we, <laughs> Or, or the next book that you're going to write in this series. Can we just change this a little? I yeah. know you're an old white woman, but can we Here's just- Here's a new lens. Here's a new lens to look through. Yeah. Can we just, can we just call her something else than what you've just called her? No. So, yeah. Yeah. So Ugh. there you go. So now all people need to do is rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, really. And, and send, send us, us your questions. questions. Yeah, and we'll fucking answer them. <laughs> I seriously, I'm, I'm fucking serious about this. I'm yeah, I want to hear all about what would you do if, or would you have done this differently? Or let me tell you a story and have you had that experience? And yeah, we'll fucking answer. Yeah. We will reply. We will answer. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, ask us specific questions and we will answer those specific questions. We That's will right. not and give you- be anonymous. No filler. You make- What's that? No filler. We'll just, we're just no judgment. No, nope. not what we're about. It's nope. not what we're about. We will answer your question. Yeah. And if you want it to be anonymous, obviously keeping clients' names out and, and anything else, one, 100%. You just put it at the top of the page. Okay. Don't Absolutely. You can make an, a fake e- Gmail address anywhere. You, yeah, can, oh, you sure. can have, I want to be anonymous at gmail.com. Like, just send it our way. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. You can send it to us on our Instagram. Please follow us on Instagram, uh, the Pragmatic Doulas, or you are, what is your Instagram? Do you, uh, it's not official, private anymore. Official underscore doula staff. Yeah. And uh, I'm posting under the, uh, at Toronto Doula Group. So yeah. Yep. How do you like my skin? It's doing so much better now. Oh, that's good. I started I started using that that stuff that Suzanne recommended. The ordinary is it called? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I look much better inside. Like I sent you that picture yesterday, and you could basically in the sun, all you see is my freckles. I look like someone has, you know, just thrown brown sugar at me and (laughs) it's stuck to my face. I don't get freckles anymore. I used to have them a lot when I was a kid, but not anymore. But I also don't get sun on my face at all anymore either. I avoid the sun like it's the plague. I also I never leave my house because of the plague. So, you know, it's, it all works out. That's all right then. So. All, right. all right. Well, everybody, have a great day, everyone. 
Have an awesome day. It is beautiful outside. I'm going to go rake. It's going to be like 19 or something today. God, for those for 50, gonna, for the 50% yeah. of our, <laughs> of our American viewers, because 50% of the people who listen to us are from the United States, apparently. Um, that's in Celsius. You'll have to convert. Double well, it and I'm add so 30. Happy for our U I'm so happy for our US people who are, many are getting their second dose already. And oh, yeah. a lot of places are lifting the face mask and distancing rules and stuff. And um, spaces are opening up without numbers opening up, without numbers climbing. So I'm very happy I, to hear that for some people. I have already decided I'm pretty much going to wear a mask for the rest of my life. I I enjoy not being sick. I enjoy not, I enjoy being six feet from people. Can we, <laughs> so, so things that need to stay, the little spacers on the floor where people have to stand, which is six feet away from me, stop getting in my fucking space. I hated this before the pandemic. I fucking hate it after the pandemic. None of that's going to change. This is the one thing I love. Stay the fuck away from me. Stay out of my orbit. God, I hate people in my space. Um, how am I a doula? But anyways, um, yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm all about hand sanitizer and masks now. My grandkids are going to be like, why does grandma always wear a mask? She survived the, the pandemic of 2020. <laughs> and that's why. She survived the first <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> all the waves. All of it. <laughs> she's still here you're here because she's here all right Ooh. we love you do what you need to do stay safe keep your family safe enjoy this beautiful weather have a good we'll day we'll see you next week bye everyone bye